This is the Cinematologist Podcast. This episode explores the new film, Husband, directed by Joss Abagnese and Devorah Baum. Neil interviews Josh and Devorah about their meta-narrative docu-fiction and talks about collaboration and how it fits into their life and their bodies of work as filmmakers, writers and academics. Elsewhere, Neil and Dario talk about the interview and its relationship to the film and they both had very different responses to the film. So it's definitely worth sticking around to hear Neil and Dario deconstruct how they felt and why, and why there was such a gap between their opinions and their feelings about this fascinating piece of work. On with the show. Welcome to the Cinematologist Podcast. I'm Dario Linares, and with me, of course, is Neil Fox. Neil, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. Good to hear you, and good to be yeah talking about movies again with you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good actually. Um, interestingly enough, I had a um, a two lecture day on Monday, um, which and both of them, my computer decided to collapse before, like five minutes before we started. So I just went through you know, that gamut of emotions where you've got 100 people or 150 people literally kind of staring at you going, this guy doesn't know how to work a computer. But it all came good at the end of the day when I, I screened Cleo from 5 to 7 for the students. We do the the Monday night movie club and quite a few turned up. I kind of trailed it as a... They, they, we, I'm, I'm giving them an option off the sight and sound top 100 so we always have a choice between two of and and you know some, I try to thematically link them and this week they had a choice between uh, Cleo five to seven and Beau as being two female film filmmakers high on the list. We couldn't do Jean Dielman. I don't think the students could deal with four hours on a Monday evening after two lectures from me as well. Um, so obviously Agnes Varda's masterpiece from nineteen sixty two. On honestly, I actually think I may not have seen this properly. Okay. You know, I'm sure I have, but I definitely didn't give it the attention it deserved. Otherwise, it would have been a lot higher in my thinking. I mean, the first the first 20 minutes, I was just sort of dumbstruck with my mouth open thinking, this is fucking incredible. This is amazing. So inventive visually. And incredible counterpoint to the week before we, we screened Vertigo, right? Um, and a, another film about looking... But in a very different way, you know, here's Agnes Varda is really see, is like unpacking the mechanics of looking, obviously, particularly from a, a female perspective and a, a French pop star in the middle of Paris. You know what I mean? And yeah, it's just such a clever setup as well. You know, you start at the beginning saying just very, very you, you, you sort of structure the whole film by 
by putting out this 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 plot point or the you know this narrative point which this central character may have cancer and everything else after that is just contextualized by that thought of is she going to live or die what's going to be this news so everything then becomes heightened when it's whether it's a whimsical uh you know sojourn around paris or the darker elements and kareem mashand is just mashad i should say sorry is is just uh tragic she's mesmerizing you know that song in the middle and then she's self-conscious and she's depressive but mercurial and delightful at the same time and then there's that ode to silent cinema in the middle with goddard and karina and eddie constantine and sam Fraven from uh, band apart which we did many years ago of course and i mean it definitely is now because it's on that list but this is a film that should be seen on a par with a buddha souffle and the 400 blows as a sort of essential standards in the early new wave period i just i absolutely loved it fantastic yeah and it was it was interesting because you messaged me last night and i screened a clip from this last week for my screenwriting students so yeah it's because i was talking about ways of conceiving of sort of cinematic time when you're thinking about your ideas you know like right and yeah you know it's such an inventive use of time in that film but when you watch it the the depth that is plumbed emotionally philosophically cinematically in by using that very on the surface simple conceit of waiting yeah, two you know, hours yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's 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 kind of incredible and i you know and i sort of said like that it feels really like that kind of the ticking clock narrative, you know, almost something like, you know, from a few years before, something like a noir, like DOA, you know, where someone's got to solve a mystery by the morning, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. but putting that clock on it, it just like you say, it heightens everything, but the choice to heighten everything in service of one person's emotional journey, that's, you know, that no external forces is just like, it's just, it's, it's, it's masterful really. And I've never understood why it's not in those, ranks other than the obvious she's a woman because like there's so much filmmaking oh. imagination going on it so yeah uh, i love it yeah it's so good yeah no so good so good and and you know it, it does just make me want to to go to that hundred i know we've done the whole episode i don't want to go through that all again but just to just to fill in my blank spots and just r recognize what you know what people who have got more knowledge than i do you know, say about about what are great movies because uh, yeah, there's there's so many. There's quite a few on that list that that I, I haven't seen. So yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good to do that. I just very quickly also, I just wanted to say thanks to Ian McPherson for writing a guest blog for us. He wrote this piece on a film called "What Do We See When We Look at the Sky" by a Georgian filmmaker called Alexandra Koberdze. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, and yeah, he's gone in quite a big, big deep dive on this film. I think it's just a film that he saw and really loved, and and felt that it's one of these that that you know so many films that that are good but just get bypassed. You know, they might kind of come out for a week or they don't find a place on streaming. And you know, we talked about that in the past. And he he aligns the film with a kind of dead deadpan wit and archness of of filmmakers like Kurosaki and Anderson. So uh, yeah, check out the 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 blog and the film. Obviously, um, I think the two go hand in hand. You'd probably worth seeing it first if uh, if if you're into um, that kind of thing or if you're into that movie I'm definitely going to have a, a, a watch of it now having read his uh, his outline 
Well, good news on that score because it's on Mubi from this weekend. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we'll tie that in actually then on social media. Yeah, I just I saw that after Ian's piece went up and um, yeah, I haven't read Ian's piece because I want to see the film first. Um, it's a film that I've known about since festivals because it was like Berlin maybe or somewhere yeah, yeah. early last year. Well, it was at London tw- 2021. And, um, so. Yeah, okay, so it's probably even earlier than that. And I remember yeah. it sort of doing, so maybe it was Cannes that year, 2021 or something. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been sort of in the back of my mind. So I'm really excited to see it and I'm really excited to see Ian's piece. Yeah, so thanks to him for... Thanks for him to going deep on it. Um, good timing as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, this episode is um, based on an interview that you've done on a film that's just come out. And uh, I think, actually, we're recording on the, the 7th and they're having a big screening, uh, I think, at the Curzon tomorrow for the launch of the film. Um, so, yeah, why don't you take it away and tell us about this this film and the filmmakers you spoke to. Will do, yeah. So the film is out. They're doing a special screening tomorrow on Curzon. It's kind of in cinemas at the moment, and then it's on Curzon Home Demand or whatever that service is called, Curzon Home Cinema, um, as well. So it's 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 available. It's a film called Husband, and it's a filmmaking team: uh, Josh Abagnese and Devora Baum, who this is their second collaboration. They're a husband and wife, and they make these kind of meta sort of documentary narrative auto fiction films they made a film i think 2016 called the new man um about uh it's devora's pregnancy um and then this is yeah sort of a follow-up which finds them sort of in new york for a book tour for um devora's latest film i've known josh for a long time um he had a short film called bonsai he probably won't like me saying this because I think like a lot of filmmakers, he's probably disowned his early short film work, but he had a really <laughs> lovely short film called Bonsai, which I screened at Filmstock in sort of the mid 2000s. So sort of followed his filmmaking journey since then. And I think I mentioned as a review, the last film, which comes up in the interview, Female Human Animal his kind of a similar kind of auto fiction, uh, meta documentary narrative um, around um, the curator and writer Chloe Argis and her exhibition around Leonora Carrington, um, which is another interesting film. So this sort of popped up and yeah, just we haven't really talked about a film like it um, and a work like it. And I was interested in the collaboration between the the two of them, who were both subjects in the film as well as the people who ostensibly make the film. So I think, I thought I think it was it's, a good Sorry, Neil, just to interrupt. I think it's important to say that actually as well, she's a... She's written this book as an academic. She's at the University of Southampton, and and um, you know, it's it's. I think the, the field is kind of psychoanalysis or psychology or social psychology, something like that. And I think that's that that's an interesting part of the dynamic. I think, which is something that mm. yeah, to to sort of talk about. I think later on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think she's got background in critical theory as well, mm. um, in terms of her academic Discipline, work. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, discipline. Yeah, good. That's right. Yeah, discipline. Um, so yeah, so just interesting, just an interesting film to kind of to talk about, um, and yeah, the yeah the, the chance to kind of to to get into that kind of filmmaking process, I thought would, was was interesting. So they they kindly took some time last week. Um, Josh was struggling with some chronic back pain, um, but but so very grateful for him to uh, 
for for taking the time but yeah i think it's a really interesting conversation and i know the film is uh gonna throw up a lot of conversation for us afterwards which is kind of interesting yeah indeed it will i mean not to sort of spoil uh what's coming on later on but i think you know from the interview i know that you like the film and and i think that you have um let's say more of an empathy with the situation than i do um and yeah, I had a different experience entirely. So yeah, it should be some interesting stuff to say at the end. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. So um, yeah, hold on for for that um, after this interview with uh, Josh Abagnese and Devorah Baum about Husband. really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to me for the podcast thanks it's fun to be here so it's clearly a collaboration as a as a project um but it kind of skews towards josh in terms of the titling you know um and obviously the both titles kind of put josh center um and as does your kind of role in it, Josh, as the quote-unquote director. So I'm just interested, Devorah, in terms of like your your role and how you see your role in, in the kind of filmmaking process and, 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 and your side of the collaboration in, in the film. It's, it's very mysterious to me <laughs> what my role is here. I'm, I'm, I'm clearly collaborating. It couldn't happen unless I did collaborate. And we've got um we've got a, a clip uh, you'll notice when we were interviewed on Newsnight after the new man came out, which we put at the beginning of Husband, uh, where um, uh, I'm uh, I'm sort of, sort of advice. I think I'm asked for like marital advice or something. <laughs> and, and, oh yeah, um, Evan Davies. By says, Evan Davies, yeah. like, what's your advice? And I'm like, oh, um, <laughs> so, and I think I say just. There's often a competition. There's, there's often there's often a quarrel, and I think a partnership, and particularly I think marriages. The the philosopher Stanley Cavell once basically described marriage as a long quarrel, and 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 I disagree. And 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 there's obviously a kind of um, I mean that when people say film and story require conflict, I mean that relationship drama is is normally a kind of conflict that's just going on and on and, and that can be comedy and and um uh, and uh and so i suppose the advice i give is that you should collaborate uh um with your partner and that seems to me to me to be a, a sort of modern woman urging men to collaborate with women but actually what we're seeing in these films is josh really urging me <laughs> to collaborate with him <laughs> and 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 um and I evidently am, but I seem to be putting up a lot of resistance <laughs> uh, throughout. And, and so I think I'm taking the opportunity to, um, in, in a way that I, I'm able to do more on camera than I am off camera, actually, and, and more on camera than I am in life, to really be an antagonist, <laughs> uh, a, a, a collaborator that's, who's antagonistic to the project that, that, that's at hand. So I was very much participating every step of the way. 
uh, I'm acting, you know, and I'm yeah. deciding um, very much in the edit exactly what will go in and what go and how to shape the story. But as somebody who's simultaneously completely resistant to the entire project, in the same way that Josh, I would say, is completely resistant to the entire project of marriage and becoming a parent. <laughs> so, <laughs> not collaborating with both. <laughs> uh, vengeance is mine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it's it's a it's a, it's a, such an interesting question. I, I almost sort of feel tempted to throw it back on you, Neil, and say, you know, are you married or are you in a long term uh, uh, relationship? And and um, you know, if you are, then um, th there's there's your answer. <laughs> that's what that's like. <laughs> you know, there are good days. No, I'm in my I'm in my second marriage, um, and in that marriage, I have two children, and it, yeah. I, I did want to talk about this later on because I think I've, this film has come at a very interesting time in my life in terms of, yeah, kind of feeling very uncomfortable watching it, knowing that I think I've been guilty of many of the selfishnesses that you have put on screen, <laughs> Josh, you know, whether that's an act or pure documentary. <laughs> oh, it's all an act. It's all that. I'm a wonderful. I'm a, I'm a wonderful person to to so be with, right? Delight. I'm a non-stop delight, <laughs> and in, in no way a controlling neurotic. Ma it's an amazing performance, then. Well done. Um, but it's interesting what you were saying there about like tension and antagonism and kind of conflict, and in terms of teaching film, like we we teach collaboration, but there is this kind of very kind of anodyne sense of collaboration is something where you just work with people you get on with and everyone agrees all the time and that is not what collaboration is collaboration is a meeting of minds it is trying to find something which is greater than the sum of the two parts that might be in your case kind of going into it so i think it's a really interesting set of films that actually are evidence of collaboration through the the tension and the the quarrelling and the the kind of the trying to get somewhere new. I think one of I think, well, particularly um, in the case of husband, I think we we view it as a kind of uh, romantic comedy of sorts, and and uh, and what again the philosopher Stanley Cavell calls a remarriage comedy, and um, um, that's so. Um, uh, not that, not that there's such a dramatic difference between who we are at the beginning and the end of the film, but 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 nonetheless, um, a kind of reconciliation of sorts seems to have occurred after after a kind of um, tense time together. And one of the reasons that reconciliation occurs is simply because I'm relieved because my book tour's over, <laughs> and and that's a huge relief. And the other reason is Josh seems sort of prepared to admit some things uh, that he wasn't prepared uh, at the beginning and um, there's a kind of relief uh, with you know this holiday is done with because <laughs> so, going away together can be quite 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 hard uh, especially with small kids but the reason that I love I love romantic comedy as a genre that's full of promise that is very often um, uh, the results particularly today of these of romantic comedies as a genre are pretty depressing but the, but but the reason I, I i i love it is because um it's usually a couple who are vying for power to to be ma to be the master over each other they're in a sort of they're in a, a, an antagonism it seems to be about somebody wants to master the other one and and they're sort of not noticing that the pleasure they're taking in each other 
is to do with equality, to do with the fact they wouldn't take such pleasure in each other if they didn't have a repartee that's about balancing and rebalancing the scales. So actually, by the end, what, what, what they thought they wanted was to master the other. And by the end, when they come together, they've, they've understood that it's always between them, uh, uh, that it has to be a collaboration, and that's where the pleasure is. And there's also sort of political implications of that that I really like, not just for sexual politics, but for all politics. So um, I, I, I think that's what, what I suppose we were trying to hope to slightly uh, bring out in that our movie too. And, 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 and yeah, and just that it's almost like what you really want is to sort of be unmastered by the other person, actually, even though that can be quite uncomfortable. You, you do, if you're, in, if you're into it, ultimately, you know, that's the, the sort of path to, to change or something, I don't know, self-awareness or something can only come through that kind of being unmastered from your... Have, there's a bit in the film where you, you talk about the sort of, uh, you know, this notion of sort of addiction and, and control and mastery and it, it sort of pops up in... And that, that's kind of, I mean, you were talking about the collaboration. I mean, that's kind of Tavora's role in Husband and, and in the prior film we made where she sort of, she acts this kind of like chorus theorist character who kind of says wise things and then I act out on them very poorly. <laughs> and, and that seems to be quite, I think, you know, yeah, that's our collaboration at some level. That is a little bit what, what we're like maybe sometimes. Um, Great. Yeah, I, 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 I was going to bring up the humour part of it i mean it's very funny it's a very funny film um and uh but yeah there is this kind of this humor in service of really big feelings particularly and big ideas and complicated and kind of messy stuff and i certainly think that romantic comedies have shied away from that and I, you know i like the idea of a kind of comedy of remarriage um sort of my favorite wife kind of style <laughs> where there's a smartness to it you know, and, and you really get the sense of these two people need to be together for it to work. You know, it doesn't work with them. They like say not not facing off, not challenging each other, not kind of competing and not doing all of that, all of that stuff. But I, I just wonder what what you felt the role of humour is in these kind of big ideas and these complex things and, and whether whether some of that's been lost in terms of how we actually process some of these feelings and some of these ideas. Mm. Uh you can, do you want to, I, can, I, I have stuff. You, you, you say your stuff and then I'll say my stuff. You say your stuff. No, I no, say. you say it. Yours is fresh. <laughs> I'm still thinking. Okay. Well, um, uh, humour uh, and feelings have a lot in common. I mean, in fact, the word humour used to mean feeling, really. Mm. I mean, it's one of the words we have for feelings, or certainly from the medieval period. And, 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 and one of the reasons um, um, uh, humour is, I think, very serviceable in first of all the thing I just said about uh, um, a, um, a relationship that isn't a comedy I just don't if, if you haven't got a sense of humor in a long-term relationship expect a tragedy because <laughs> you really need to be prepared to um, uh, to just to be prepared for slippages so humor is slippery Joke, jokes and punchlines are all about sort of you begin over here and then you wind up completely where you never expected to go and you have to be prepared to accept those surprises and, and accept, accept, accept being, falling on your face or falling on your the, falls, lots and lots and lots of falls uh, are, are what you have to be sort of up for uh, and, and to be constantly proven wrong uh, and, and if you can't take pleasure in that, if that isn't fun or funny for you, um, then then good luck in all your relationships. <laughs> just, 
Um, but but feelings too have this dispossessing quality to them that I, that, that, that I mean that, that comedy does that you know you think you know who you are you think you know where you are and then a feeling seems to come along and completely floor you in a very similar way I think to the banana skin to some extent <laughs> was I, I was I hearing correctly under your sort of behind your question Neil you know are we in a time where things that might have been straightforward to laugh about now maybe we're feeling maybe perhaps politically and, and, and often for some good reasons much more worried about laughing about and maybe we still laugh but then we feel very discomforted by that laugh or, or we we refuse to laugh or we refuse to is that kind of behind you because I mean we are that is something that you know we we I mean the, the, the sort of simple answer is like if you want to talk about proper things proper difficult relationship things you know that actually are really the stuff of life the things that really matter to us you know mothers fathers spouses children those are the deep down things if you want to talk about those things it's quite hard to talk about them and a, a, a might be good to make it fun and so you know there are good romantic comedies and and, and great relationship comedies and and so on but it's just <laughs> that's just a quality thing but at least at least they they're rendered approachable these difficult things in a in a genre that's frequently tossed aside or sort of deemed you know chiclet or you know just just as chiclet is deemed chiclet um and, and so on so so there's which you know speaks of a kind of discomfort a cultural discomfort in dealing with these you know these psychologies and things that are really you know hard and and but i think maybe even more now in these times you know the film is called husband it portrays a man who is uh i think we'd all agree that the, the comedy is a little uncomfortable um and uh for some people it might really hit home in ways that they recognize and for others it might hit home in ways that they don't recognize or disavow or kind of want to distance themselves from for kind of reasons that i i, I think are to do with you know they're very uncomfortable feelings um or maybe you had a father who was like that and you really hate his guts you know or you know and that that's that's all sort of there up for grabs um and um yeah, that I, I just wanted to start that. I also don't, um, I only really like uncomfortable humour. I don't. I, that, uh, for me, uh, as a Freud, uh, as a kind of Freudian type sort of person, <laughs> that my, my assumption about laughter is is not that you've got the joke. You laugh precisely because you haven't got it, and 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 you've sort of uh, something in you has sort of laughed because you've sort of recognised something about your incapacity to know things at that moment of of that. There's something here not that you get, but you sort of understand for a moment that you don't get and that you never have got and that you're going to continue to not get again and again and again every time you find that same joke you've heard before funny. And, and, <laughs> and, and uh, because you still don't know it somehow every time. Uh, you still haven't caught up with yourself on these things. And, and so that's the discomfort because it's the discomfort of, of a kind of non-knowledge. It's not a candle after where you know the punchline and 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 you know what the joke is and you know you know what to think about everything a, a, a humor that leaves everything you think intact isn't for me a great sense of humor uh, but one that no. disturbs you it is I, I mean I and you could sort of say the same of the of sort of you know identitarian positions that like want to know the answer want to know the right place to be politically and stand firmly on that ground of certainty um, uh, uh, which doesn't sound much fun, <laughs> but also, you know, is maybe quite scared of slippages and the way in which, you know, we, 
from those identity positions, we actually, the more we insist on them, we, the more we show how kind of performative or kind of weak or kind of slippery they actually are, right? You only need to look at, you know, a, a, a Trump or, a, or what to see how kind of, you know, weak and, and, and that sort of mentality, that fixity of mentality. But you find that all over the political spectrum in different, different, we're all guilty of that, I think. Um, and, you know, this is a guy in this film, me, I suppose, a kind of me, who is uh, not unlike a sort of typical Trump voter, you might say, and Trump is sort of in the background of this film because that's when we shot it. Um, you know, the, the Dakar rallies and the, the politics the is there. March, the women's march. The women's march. It's also, you know, is that here's this guy who is this sort of immaculately overeducated, you know, bohemian, liberal, whatever you want to call him, bourgeois, cosmopolitan, Jew, whatever, but but is actually nowhere near as reconstructed as he as he ought to be and is actually also feels the same things a Trump voter might feel, you know, redundant, no longer needed, uh, you know, over oh, told what to do by women, oh no, you know, <laughs> and so on. And so that there you know these are slippages that one might not want to admit to and that are quite maybe uncomfortable for me and for people to see i don't know yeah it certainly felt like it was doing something which which does feel less and less common which is yeah the the, the placing of humor alongside difficult difficult emotions you know and reminding that yeah that we we don't like to sit in those kind of uncertainties very much certainly in terms of an online discourse that kind of drives things i think you know there's this idea that we have to we have to be serious about serious things and that humor is, is something separate and then is sort of devoid and then but it was really interesting what you were sort of saying there about not getting the joke because it, it reminds me of that that thing we we experience as children you know where we laugh at something and then an adult tells us that we don't know what we're laughing at as if they are in control of what it is you know and it makes us feel like it makes us feel like oh wow I just thought it was funny and I like laughing and, you know, everyone was laughing, you know, and it makes you feel kind of out of place. It's really interesting because I think that, yeah, that there's that illusion that we know what's funny if we're older or, or we're in on the joke, which very rarely are. And it's much more like a, yeah, a kind of uh, an unconscious primal response to something that is what's really going on, which children are, are as astute at as, as, as any adult, I think. I think Josh's sense of humour is a very mysterious thing. I say this as someone who lives with it. Which I'm very, very, if you go to any kind of performance with Josh, you can be, you can be like 2,000 people in the audience. They're all laughing. Every, all the audience is laughing in, in, in certain places. And Josh seems to be laughing at completely different <laughs> Josh seems to find totally different things funny to everyone else. <laughs> and there's this one laughter that just keeps like, and everyone looks around. What's that guy finding funny? I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. But through the film, you kind of deconstruct that as well with the uh, the sequence through at the uh, the stand-up show, which is a wonderful sequence. Um, Thanks. Um, which which kind of brings me on to. Uh, sort of the the film making and the sort of the influences i was i was watching uh alan R rob grier's trans europe express last week which i hadn't seen before and i was like and i watched it just after i watched husband and i was like oh this feels like it's kind of in that generically terms sort or of postmodern space but certainly in terms of like the the meta narrative uh, aspect of it oh. um uh, in terms of constantly referring to the film that's being made and, and sort of yeah, that sense of momentum of the film being commented on as it's going. Um, and then, of course, with, you know, a, a Jewish man walking the streets of New York filled with self-loathing, it's hard to not 
conjure Woody Allen. Um, so I just wondered what uh, what are your kind of influences in, or, or or what's the lineage that you sort of place this film in when you and and the new man when you kind of set out to to sort of to to tell this this story in this way. Oh. We did have some sort of link latery. Well, it yeah. I I wish. I mean, there's a look. There's a sort of interview stance that I guess I could take, or one could take, or we could take here, which is like we are auteurs who knew exactly what we were doing, and every frame is brilliantly, coherently planned, and, and we're you know sort of mastery of form, and 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 like as a part of me just wants to give you that answer <laughs> rather than the more revealing, annoying answer. Um, but. Uh, you know, th this is a style of filmmaking that is exploratory and um, uh, I don't quite want to say I didn't know what the hell we were doing and nor did Devorah, but, and we had sort of done it before, but but there's something, you know, just the, the, the last film I made without Devorah um, before this one, Female Human Animal, was also a kind of docu-fiction where I took real people and kind of had them do things that they might not otherwise normally do, but that were somehow true to their i don't know inner life or their psychology or something and um it's a wonderful way to make films um as long as you don't want them to be in hundreds of screens because <laughs> it's going to be niche you know it's yeah. so yeah. you know and i do kind of miss you know having a big crew and you know costume department and whatever which i'd quite like to go back to at some point but but you know so so there's this very exploratory thing that's going on where you just say look I'm going to point a camera at the world and I'm going to point the camera at a person in that world and yes some of them are actors and some of them aren't sometimes there's a crew and sometimes there isn't and and so on so so uh, you know you, as a filmmaker both of us now that we've done a couple of these that there are things that give you confidence that think maybe this is something we didn't know this is good we walked around for a week in New York shooting the odd thing a little bit of crew sometimes and and with the the thought at that I think probably fair to say you know in the back of my mind maybe in less in the back of yours tomorrow but like how how could this be something could this what is there a a documentary or a docufiction something and so then you know yes of course formal strategies or filmmakers you love or just feelings or whatever you know you think that this gives me some confidence so yeah for sure Richard Linklater you know those those Linklater films which at some level I think Julie Delpio is has been quite publicly annoyed about because she was like, well, I wrote this, you know, this was us improvising this mm. and their improvisation is everything in that film. Their flirtation is everything in those films. Yeah, you know, it's really well done and nicely shot and everything, but at some level they did that. And so th those films yeah. before Sunset and so on, th those films gave us confidence that you could just walk and talk. It's not the only films that do that, but the, the walking and talking thing I think is is very important. I, Woody Allen, I mean, of course, I mean, <laughs> just impossible to get away from and so to some extent you know you do have to when in rome i think a little bit you you, you can't you find yourself when in new york yeah when in new york it's hard yeah. not i mean you see it for all kinds of uh, not to put myself in the same bracket as actors who can actually act but you know anyone who's even come within a sniff of working with woody allen ends up sound even kenneth branner's you know ends up deciding to sort of imitate you know it, woody allen, you know, he, the, you can't get away from it there's something very powerful about that voice and you can you can sort of choose to really be cross with that because um, of the man and what he's done or may have done or whatever. But like it is there in the culture and, you know, it's literally impossible to think about post Woody Allen romantic comedy and maybe quite a few other genres, you know, without thinking about 
like, let's say that voice that that's to make style. oversharing mm. a kind of art form yeah <laughs> well no so, so to make the oversharing to make the oversharing uh, person mm. the romantic lead <laughs> that's for men and yeah. for women you yeah. know i mean there's no yeah. lena dunham with that woody and there's no you know uh, uh, it's so so yeah <laughs> you know so if you are a sort of romantically inclined oversharing inclined neurotic then you know thank god for there's a lot of permission that was given with that. I think it's easy to sort of forget that now. Um, I keep coming back to Cavell because I guess his book really influenced me. But you know, he he sort of points out that when you know the dawn of the talkie was like the re the real golden age of those Hollywood romantic comedies. That the 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 dawn of the talkie in cinema, actually, the pleasure principle was talking. Actually, the thing people really couldn't get enough of because they'd not seen this before. They went to the cinema. And they found an overwhelming pleasure in watching people talk to each other, uh, and 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 they saw the pleasure of conversation and and of, of people sort of sort of battling wits and 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 just taking pleasure in each other through conversation. And that's why I mean I think that's the pleasure of those and the romance of those link later films, is is just seeing two people talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I guess we knew we we could be quite funny and I'm you know both of us are playing sort of amplified versions of ourselves let's say um and hopefully self-ironizing ones and we discovered in the earlier film the new man that if you just put a frame often a static frame and just leave the camera there people will be hoist by their own petard and you know obviously it's a milieu that's very privileged and sort of literary and, and all of these things. And so it's kind of quite self-ironizing immediately you just think who are these idiots um, um but I also love uh, that milieu it is my milieu and i'm really grateful for people who read too many books and talk about them a lot i just thank god for them i think they've given quite a bit to the culture really and when people are you know have, have issues with that i i worry actually i think what is it that you're angry or envious about beyond the privileged discourse which is important but also masks a lot of just i don't know discomfort and stuff that is actually not not that helpful so i don't know so i it is a bit of a love letter to that as well as being like let's mock it gently as well um yeah yeah i mean yeah, it's interesting like link later woody allen your work there your work in these films even back to screwball comedies they're all kind of reminders that conversation is or can be cinematic you know we kind of we have sort of dismissed a lot of stuff that's very talky as being theatrical or stagey you know and i think that, that there's so much filmmaking in your work as it is in those others you know that, that reminds that yeah it can be a really it can be a really powerful cinematic tool to have people conversing and the way your films are constructed cut you know they're very cinematic in terms of how those conversations are are sort of shown you know cinematically i said i think it's it's really and it's again it's really nice to hear you talk about that you you mentioned the kind of the literariness of it um there's a lovely sequence in the new film um with you devora uh, at your reading at mcnally jackson with, with zadie smith and watching it and sort of you know obviously it focuses around your work you, your work is heavily featured in this in a way that it's not in the new man um i just wondered how you feel it represents your work you know is there a kind of like oh i'm coming across in a certain way or the work's coming across in a certain way that you feel is is at odds with what you you hope it comes across or or, or are you sort of pleased with with its kind of cinematic representation of your your literary work and your um your academic work and your, your sort of criticism it's a, it's, i i i think the the 
the work like Mia is is a kind of chorus about in the in in the film for, it's, it's it's all slightly meant to be commenting on Josh and on the husband on this figure of of, of the man the man who might feel hang on what's my role I'm, I'm am I surplus to requirements no no I'm going to I'm going to take control here and make this about about what I, you know make this my production but uh but the the we are constantly attesting to feelings uh, throughout the film, uh, and uh, and the book is analysing various feelings that the film, I think, then sort of throws throws a certain light on. So we've done cutting very deliberately in that way. So there's a bit near the beginning where I'm talking at Yale, and there's a moment I think we cut where after I've said, you know, that if you if you sort of disown your feelings or you won't, that, that, then you're going to put a distance between yourself and other people. And then we go to Josh on an aeroplane. <laughs> it's distance. put quite a bit of distance between. <laughs> and, 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 um, and, and so on and so forth. So, 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 but the, but sort of the, sort of the thesis of the book, I think is, is partly that feelings are contagious and, and um, there are fascinating element in our lives feelings because uh, in very divisive times when people are sort of furious and angry and full of hatred towards each other or envy or whatever it is and projecting huge things onto each other that's also sort of oddly the way, where they meet it's very hard I think to sort of have a very strong feeling towards another person and they're not going to catch it off you like if you really hate them they're probably going to start reciprocating and 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 unless they're a saint or some kind of removed from this sort of um um world so 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 increasingly in the film i think we see that um ostensibly i'm the one who's sort of owning feelings and josh is disowning them and 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 i attest guilt i attest that but then over the course of the film i basically become this sort of robot <laughs> I'm sort of like marching along, refusing, and Josh is going. I need emotion from you. I need emotion for this film to work. And then, and, and then by the end, he's attesting to all, to all these feelings. So in a way, it's sort of the film is illustrative of, of of partly what the the book is saying about feelings. But also, I think it's um, if if you're tempted to think that that somehow, oh, I'm sort of the long suffering wife, and 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 he's this sort of problematic. Man, actually, by the end, I think we can we can turn that round as well and say that she sort of can't really. There's something she sort of she won't really give here, uh, 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 and he's doing quite a lot of giving and uh, uh, and trying to connect, and and that she's sort of standing back from that. So so um uh, so yeah, I like how the book I like how the book comments on the film, and I like how the film comments on the book. But weirdly, I wrote that book a long time ago, so I'm not I haven't really been thinking about that. And so now, because I've got a new book coming out called On Marriage, now when I see this film, it looks like it's illustrative of that book. Which <laughs> <laughs> shows I must basically keep going back to the same wound. <laughs> yeah. I think we all do in some ways. Um, which is, you know, it was really interesting, as I sort of said, watching this film now without making it too much kind of therapist's couch um, uh, admissions. Like... I've definitely been someone who has rejected that kind of contagion um, in my in my marriage, where I've wanted to feel things a different way and 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 have have not, and it's caused problems, you know. And over the past year, sort of been going through kind of reassessing what I how I want to feel, how you know what I want to feel and how I want to engage with my own feelings. So it was really interesting film in terms of. Yeah, like I sort of said at the start, feeling like I've 
I'm definitely guilty of those selfishnesses of of like prioritizing myself in the family and and, and and that kind of thing and through fear of not wanting to wanting to really feel things you know and to really be in it and and, and what it might mean to feel that so I hope that other people feel the same when they watch the film which is that it's a, it's a really moving and you know, intricate film about about love and relationships and and parenting um and it certainly made me feel it certainly made me feel you know um in a way that that is was was really rewarding um so, so thank you for making it um oh, thank you and, so, uh, so much for saying that it really i mean we you know we often talk about form and humor and and you know deep down it yeah it that is exactly what we would hope is that people get it and feel like oh my god that's me or or or, or that or she's me or you know or, or that, that's that could be me if i'm not careful or you know whatever and and, that, and that that's not just a sort of political warning but just a, an actually you know relatable it's not a lovely word but you know it's, it's a thing that moves you and and um you know the other things that you sort of suspect give you a little bit of confidence or faith that this these sorts of experiments that are quite exposing and and, and weird things to do um that, that they might work is you know yeah there's love there and um and you know and it's hard being in a marriage and having small kids and all of that stuff you know and having ambitions and creative ambitions and ha having all these things and they're, they're quite um you know they can be quite sort of uh humiliating sort of things to expose so it really it means a great deal to us when people say i i you know i i got it i i related to it and um again yeah. I, I think that i one thing i'm proud of in this film is it, the complicated picture it presents of love the love is not the again they're not a saccharine romantic comedy sort of <laughs> depiction of love and that's a really important moment i think in the conversation with zadie smith where she we're sort of looking at the sort of a kind of sort of weird sort of dialectical movement through feelings like you I mean, you can't. I mean, you say one might want to feel certain things, but the 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 thing about feelings is they're very resistant to what you want from them. So, so, so I mean, they 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 really go off script very readily, and 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 so I mean, we 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 generally know what the prescribed feeling is for any situation. I am at a funeral. I should feel sad. Oh no, I seem to be quite happy. I, let me try and look sad, or that, or, or whatever it or, or or whatever it is that feelings. I mean, we're very conscious we're often in situations that we're feeling what appears to be completely the wrong thing and 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 so we try to hide our feelings because and try to perform the correct ones while secretly feeling other ones and uh, and, and so on but the but the idea that when you when you allow yourself to just really feel what you feel and possibly even share what you feel with somebody else or even just with yourself um that is already the beginning of feeling something else, and 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 so uh, in that conversation with Zadie Smith, we look at the idea that envy, which is a very, very, a very prolific feeling right now, very resentment is everywhere, and and it's a very, it seems like such a painful, toxic feeling to admit, but the envy might be sort of a form of love or on its way to love, to, to uh, so 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 it it could be you can wind up from these feelings at love. Um, but you have to be prepared to go through them. And so I quite like that picture of love it presents. Yeah, the, the, the sort of, the, the film ends with this kind of apology 
if you like, and this sort of coming together. And there, there is, you know, there is, there was real kind of, I don't know, affection and love in, in that scene. And, and we had a good time and, and, and there was something there. Um, and, but the admit, this apology comes in the form of a, an admission where, you know, exactly that kind of identitarian slippage that we were talking about is, is I'm, I'm literally saying, maybe I'm the neurotic, needy, uh, you know, all these, all these feelings that are sort of quintessentially, um, uh, or sort of ascribed stereotypically to women um, uh, and, and as sort of negative things um, are the ones that I'm having. And she's kind of, you know, she's cool, in control, you know, and she's been dealing with it like a man. You well, know? I'm like kind described of, as a Zen master. Right? A like, Zen I master. Feel nothing. I she feels nothing. <laughs> yeah, like how men would like to be, you know. <laughs> Liam Neeson or something. Um, so, so, so it's quite... It's 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 quite funny and and I think yeah that's um, yeah that's that's a thing. I, I also do just want to speak up for the film a bit and just say it was like I feel like it was a bravura move. Like you know, like a, a sort of typical male auteur will be like, and then I did a six minute single take shot with this extremely <laughs> long complex fight sequence that ended in you know this thing. But what we did was just six minutes of two women talking at a book talk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel like, yeah, bravura, you know. Well, it, it, so. it, feel, it does feel it because it, it, it's a, yeah, it, it's a statement in the film formally, you know, and I think it's it works really, really well. You definitely feel the filmmaking decision behind it in terms of we're going to give this, we're giving this time over for this, and you have to work out why, and it's not just a simple, oh, it's Zadie Smith, you know, thing. There, there, there's a, there's a real there's a real reasoning behind it, which I think you do feel in the filmmaking in terms of why it's there. It makes you pay attention in a way that bravura shots should do. You know, they should draw attention to the form and, and, and I think it really works. It's, yeah, and you have to sit with it, you know, which I think is is something that, you know, we, is, is difficult for men, I think, you know, traditionally. And that's what's so interesting about both the films, New Man and, and Husband is, is the kind of man that you put on screen, you know, which is quite a rare portrayal, um, but I think an important one. Um, yeah. Thanks. You yeah, know, now that you say that, it makes me think about listening because, you know, the, the portrayal is of, of a guy who really isn't listening. <laughs> um, but of course, you know, we're not that guy, we're the viewer and the film sort of provides these opportunities to, if you like, listen to a woman basically in short and all the all the sort of freight that might be in that term um and then maybe by the end he's slightly heard her and the film has made us listen too and then there's this sort of tiny joke at the end sort of almost a spoiler but where where i sort of say okay i'm, I'm gonna do some listening now and then there's and then there's a sort of twist which i, I won't give away but but it just you know really is he listening though you know i mean you know th these it's it's great to sit here and say you know men should feel their feelings or people should feel their feelings and that's transformative and that's all true but like the, the other recognition that we have to have is it's really fucking hard to do that and it's really uncomfortable and and so much of our character is how do we avoid having to do that and actually some good things some functional things come out of that avoidance i wouldn't be making films if i could just have 
have my feelings. I, I, it turns out I need to act out on them. And as you can probably tell from the films, you know, I mean, it's not, this isn't shock news. Like the, the, these films wouldn't be made if I didn't act out on not just as a, in, a, in a performance, but just grabbing a camera and pointing at, at people, you know, including friends of mine, including, you know, collaborators, including my own wife and children. You know, it's a bit mad, really. Like, why would you do yeah, that? So why, why it makes you know? the sort of who are your influences seem a little bit sort of, Exactly. And um, um, as just a sort of not, it's sort of not quite the real question because Josh can't help. <laughs> he can't help it. He has to make a film out of everything. No, it's an act of, it's an act of desperation, and 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 no, and it's also you know just to talk about the the economics of it really. I mean, it's an act of desperation because if you're a very successful commercial filmmaker, you don't need to be doing this, uh, and you have time to do this. Whereas if you're like you know all your projects have failed and you're in the middle of lockdown, you're just thinking what the hell am I going to do? Let's dig out this weird. Footage we shot in New York three years ago that I've completely disavowed. Oh, it's kind of interesting. You know, you, you, that that's you know. So there's a there's a kind of I don't know if it's self sabotage or how I've ended up here, but so so there is you know there is um, yeah there is something there. Well, it's interesting you sort of talk talk about that kind of that performance because um, I did want to I did want to ask you, Devora, in terms of I, I as I mentioned before I think. Um, not sure before we came on or not but, but i saw the new man after i watched husband um which was really interesting in terms of the 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 narrative of the new man um and uh, yeah very sorry for your loss of ben adam which is covered in the film uh, really beautifully um and yeah just amazing amazingly intimate kind of sharing of your of your lives and yourselves i think which is which is profoundly beautiful um and but it made me sort of it made me wonder like how do you how did you feel about about going through this again on screen you know it must have it must have taken something to not obviously the narrative is not as 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 kind of as raw as that but you know there must be something of the kind of do i want to do this again do i want to sort of put myself in front of the camera in this way again in the way that you did before or did you have a choice i guess is the question (laughs) Must be something of that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not insane, then you might think twice about doing this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, um, um, I think the brilliant thing about me uh, is that I am capable of. If, if, if a film, if you watch a film and you suspend your disbelief, I seem to be somebody who's able to suspend my belief, my disbelief okay. whilst making yeah, yeah. one. So, <laughs> During the film making itself, I think I'm not making a film, <laughs> so I somehow I'm able to to sort of do everything it takes to make a film whilst not believing I'm making a film. I just, essentially what I think I'm doing is my marriage and something that my marriage appears to require. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And particularly it seems to need, it seems to particularly require it at moments when I'm very stressed and going through something else. so so essentially i mean they are of course sequels in one way or another i i have something coming out a baby or a book and so at that moment it seems i have to make a film (laughs) sorry Sorry. um, uh, but the the way this film is made is that and in general is that i'm with people i'm with anyway and and a camera that's always seems to be standing in the corner of my the room anyway, whether it's on or off, is just there. And so it's very easy for me. And then I'm just having an argument anyway. I'm just continuing it. I just need to just 
basically be living my life and I and and so in some ways it looks like we're being very postmodern by bringing in all these meta sort of referring to the filmmaking going on but it's also just and in fact postmodernism itself is also also simply a gesture of trying to be more not less natural so it, because it, it's saying if I excluded the fact that this was going on I would be not acknowledging something that's actually going on which is that I'm making a film at the same time as everything else and, and, and so um, and and so and the film isn't separate from life it's part of life and also the sort of actually all the, the terminology of the film and the terminology of life are not so different Josh is in a supporting role or is he capable of being in the supporting role? Does he really want to be the star? <laughs> is he? I mean, that's going on in life and on camera, and 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 um, and and so um, I, that's my only explanation, really, for that. Yeah, and it, it it does get to that kind of that 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 tension at the heart of postmodernism, that idea of complicity and critique, and how they, you know, how we are both doing those things at the same time, uh, constantly, and uh, yeah, that's a really really interesting sort of insight into into yeah just the constant filmmaking process that you must be under um and that you are in a in a way in terms of yeah just living and navigating stuff i i just to add something i mean I, it isn't it would be great to claim it as this sort of kiristami level brilliant intervention into <laughs> kind of meta meta you know but 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 you know one again this sort of taking of confidence in in a sort of experimental film which at some level it is even though it has very strong echoes in you know romantic comedies or, or, or whatever else um actually those films that we're we've just spoken about don't have the filmmaker protagonists in them in general i think they, they really very rarely do and so the other strand that was kind of maybe giving us a little bit of confidence doesn't come from cinema it comes from fiction it comes from you know writing which is autofiction which is you know obviously all the rage in in in, in literary circles and has been for you know a decade um now scarred you know the male domestic and you know men actually writing about their feelings and you know all those things uh, from very literary registers to kind of not so high art registers and and so you know it, it's it, but they are very different because prose it's not your face you know, you can talk about all kinds of very intimate things, but you don't have to put your stupid face in it. Mm. So, um, so, so I don't know. So it just maybe there's good reasons why people don't do autofiction very much in oh, film. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but but some of some of the best, some of my favorite filmmakers, you know, have. I mean, you know, Chantal Ackerman is a kind of hero, and and you know, you might think, oh well, the register is very different to Chantal Ackerman, but I mean, she's the one who then went and made a really cheesy rom com mm. in New York. About a shrink, yeah, for sure. Minosh, you know, <laughs> pretending to be a shrink. I mean, it couldn't be more, you know, Woody Allen esque kind of on that. So, so I, I, I do feel a kinship with, you know, the, the possibilities that are sort of somewhere in that space. Yeah, I, and it, it, there is no doubt that we're suffering now because our faces are about to be on screen. People, we're inviting people to need to judge us personally. Ugh, and ugh, ugh. and it's, hor it's a horrible, it's actually a horrible time. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's not great. So it's a very weird thing to have done because you actually just, it's kind of unbelievably awful. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the, um, and that's not, that, I mean, that's just true. But, but I, I just, this thing of, of, um, Kirsten, I, I I feel it's more. There's a moment. There's a scene I really love in 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 the new man, where you're just looking at our shadows on the ground. It seems to be the most meta scene in in the new man because essentially, 
I'm I'm extraordinarily depressed and and anxious, and it's I'm I'm having a I'm going through a terrible time in life. And what you're seeing is Josh just filming our shadows. I'm basically asking me to make us to make us make a speech in which I'm I've I've recovered hope <laughs> and I'm and and we could set it up and I could just do this speech and we get it on camera and he's basically begging me and he's saying now in a movie around now in a movie you would sort of <laughs> move that you would move past this mood you're in <laughs> and 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 it seems like it's this awful sort of like meta moment but actually I think Josh is it's not that Josh is just thinking about the film and not thinking about the life. He's thinking about the life. He's having a hard time being my partner at that moment in my life. And he's trying to use film language to persuade me. He's saying, this is what happens in narrative. Now's about a good time for you to change how you, how you are and how you're being. And I'm just being resolutely silent and you just see myself and you sort of know how I'm feeling about that uh, from that moment. But actually, it's not that the film is, um, is so separate from life. Josh is genuinely turning to film to try to do something about the life, and he's he can't think of any other method, and and, and that sort of caught on camera. I find it very kind of meaningful when I look back at that now. Uh, uh, yeah, we do we do have to tell stories about our lives to manage to live by them and survive them, and maybe think about maybe do we want to tell a different story about ourselves at, at this time in our lives, and you know times of change and juncture, and here I am, you know, in the middle of my life in in a forest kind of thing, and. I guess Neil sounds like you. You might be, you know, in one of those moments too. Uh, so are we and and you know and so yeah. That what is the story that we could tell a little bit? I don't always feel like I want to be the centre of that story at all. In fact, I really kind of loathe that uh, as well. There's a lot of self-loathing that that goes into this centering. But um, but I but we have actually since I, I was. I always feel like saying I'll never do this again because it's so painful and stressful. However. But actually, <laughs> but actually, yeah, uh, there is there's a, there's another not exactly sequel, but there's a there's a third film in this in this line. That's of, our cuckoo clock. That's our cuckoo clock. Um, of uh, yeah, in this uh, in in this line of um, hold on, I'm just going to wait for the cuckoo clock to stop chirping. That's a that's. Uh, Nice cinematic yeah. reference, bringing the third man in right at the end. <laughs> I know, I know. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls, tolls for the cuckoo. Um, but yeah, no. So, so I've, I've since, uh, since we shot um, Husband, I, I, the, the two of us have worked on a, another film which is going to be out this year as well, actually, and I think in sort of June, July. Um, which is you know maybe a little more squarely a documentary, but it still has that kind of we appear in it and it has a kind of auto uh, thing there. And it's called My Extinction. And it's about um, the climate movement and the climate breakdown. And again, I sort of, you know, we play a version of ourselves in which I'm a kind of maybe slightly played for the comedy of it, uh, you know, an inept, guilty, uh, middle-aged dad guy film wannabe filmmaker or filmmaker who's you know who's the wannabe bit is that it could be going better um and is you know sort of faced with more midlife failure and crises and then basically becomes a climate activist off the back of that and and a, a sort of general increasing sense of shame and guilt about like why you know how do we face our children 
you know, in 10 years time, 15 years time, when they're like, now we're adults, what the hell were you doing? Why didn't you do something? Auto fiction. Auto fiction, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I did, kids, what I did, kids, is I hung out with climate activists and made a movie about it. So that changed the world. Yeah. So you know, it's 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 a, <laughs> it's a desperate, and clearly it won't work. Um, but uh, yeah. So so I don't know. Again, it's just like, what's the story that maybe you want to tell or could tell differently, and so on. And and it's the same character of of the you know same material we're working with, I guess, mm. of you know a man who is pretty self absorbed. Um, and, 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 you know, looking for, you know, rather than becoming a sort of social justice warrior who sort of thinks and says all the right things, you know, is it possible to do something, to actually do something, not just sit there and click on things, um, while, you know, admitting to being completely egotistical <laughs> and like totally concerned with like your, your success or, you know, all those things, can, can there be a concurrence of, because actually I don't think really political change is possible unless... You know, it's not going to be altruism that, that fuels political change. I mean, if it had been, God, we'd be in a much better place by now, right? So, so, um, so yeah, it sort of goes on to, to do a bit of that. And Devorah's in there, again, sort of intoning <laughs> sort of theory-driven uh, notions of, of, of wisdom and, 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 and feeling. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, so <clears throat> there's another. That will be the last <laughs> <laughs> and that's it and then divorce and we can make a about the divorce well i'm glad you said that because yeah the link later thing was, was 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 very apparent and i was hoping there'd be a kind of before midnight um so before extinction is uh yes. exactly. um so yeah looking forward to that um looking forward to your new book uh devora as well uh, and reading the feelings one which um is now on, my list. on marriage uh, uh, which is uh, <laughs> coming soon uh, they'll love me for saying this the publisher it's uh, penguin hamish hamilton it's out in may and it's really really good okay um, that's been i just had with. to say that's that i just with. had to say that contractual obligation <laughs> yeah <laughs> marriage marital obligation maybe i don't know yeah um thank you. neil thank you thank yeah you. well yeah thank you so much for uh taking the time to talk to us for the podcast and yeah congrats on the film thank you just so glad you liked the film and didn't hate Thank you to Josh and Devora for the conversation. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, and yeah, it's, for me, it sat really nicely with with the, the watching of the film. So uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Dario, let, 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 let's get into it. Um, <laughs> what did you make of the, what did you make of it all? Well, I think a couple of things to to say just as a as a sort of preface. I I don't really know the filmmaker that well. I I I I'd heard of uh Female Human Animal um and it was one of those films that that came out and got good notices at festivals and it just it just bypassed me and then I never got around to it. So that would have been my kind of entry point. And I I got the the screener on the email that you sent. And I just, it was one of those things where I didn't read anything about it or check the who the filmmakers were. I just, do you know what? I've got an hour and a half. I'll slap it on now and make some notes, right? So I'm coming, I came at this with no context at all. 
And I think that's really interesting because you know the filmmaker and you know the previous work, right? And I have to admit, I really struggled with this film. Um, and again, this is not to say this is a bad film or a good film or because I don't really believe in all of that, you know what I mean? But I really had, a, I didn't particularly enjoy watching it, I have to say. And having listened to the interview, I think there's a strong case that I just fundamentally misunderstood what the film is or what the intentions were and what it's trying to do. And I think the crux of that came through the inter interview. So actually, I kind of got more out of it once I'd listened to the interview. Um, but it didn't solve the problems that I have with the film. In fact, it kind of exacerbated them a little bit, which is kind of interesting, I think. So I'll, I'll kick off and then maybe you can comment and then I'll carry on a bit. It's not that, and I feel, it's not that I feel bad. I mean, I don't know whether um, Devorah and, and Josh will, li will listen to this, but, you know, um, please take it in the spirit that it's intended if you do. And, you know, but I think the, the crux of it is in, to me in two ways first of all was in the interview when you were talking quite a lot about this being a comedy and if this is intended as a comedy I didn't find it funny I just didn't laugh at all and maybe that's because I didn't think it was a comedy to start with do you know what I mean I was coming in saying this was a this is kind of a quite revealing fly on the wall documentary and if it's not funny then it, I, I found it really excruciating at times. Like I'm supposed to take this relationship quite seriously on face value as to what's happening and, and anxiety inducing because of that. So then that leads on to that second question of how much of this was I supposed to take as reality? And I think that listening to the interview, I think that's still ambivalent. I don't think that that's actually... Um, I think both of them were kind of backward and forward on that a little bit. You know, they they were saying at times that this is this is our personalities, this is who we are. But then at times, you know, Josh was saying that that, that these are characters that we are playing. Um, but is he only saying that because they're on film? So then, you know, it it's 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 digital, it's film. So then it's not them, you know, in reality in that sense. But is it a a, a realist evocation of the dynamics of their relationship and you know if that's the case I found you know I find them I found them a lot more likable in the interview than I did on the on in the film you know I just it was kind of infuriating at, at times just watching what was going on and the the patterns of their relationship with each other and again you know it, it's I'm I'm sure that they they're ready for these kinds of comments um but I found it really, really difficult to watch as well in terms of that kind of that middle class self-reflexive trope that's in a lot of work these days. You know, that where and, and, and you see it in certain sitcoms like I remember once I, t I turned on BBC Two to watch Newsnight like 10 minutes early and there was that sit sitcom Mother on BBC Two. I don't know if you've heard of that, Neil, but honestly, I, I wanted to make that, that show my wanted to make me shoot myself it was like I never it was like if that's what people's lives are like I'm please you know it, it was just horrific anyway the so therefore I've, I was kind of like how am I supposed to take this and and what's interesting is I'm really in, interested in the idea of the video diary or you know auto fiction or whatever you want to call it you know I think it's an interesting form I think sometimes it's belittled or taken for granted somewhat um maybe because everybody 
everybody's kind of the star of their own lives, aren't they? If you if you if you think about social media and, and what have you. But you know, I'm really interested in kind of meta documentary. I know we've talked a bit about the act of killing, which I think is a great film. You know, Josh, Joshua Oppenheimer's piece about thinking through truth and reality on film and the deliberate playing with those things. And God, you know, um, uh, uh, Jaffa Panahi, you know, one of my favorite filmmakers who plays around with that. But in a way, to me, the that the mechanics of it is much more on the surface in a in an honest way here where I was kind of like it's not that I, I think that, that Josh is being dishonest but again it, it, it kind of what, what am I seeing here am I am I seeing a dynamic of two people who are actually being truthful with each other or are they playing up to the they playing up to the camera in this dysfunction in order that it serves the interest of the mm. film in that sense so you know, and and because of that, because I didn't find it funny, I didn't find it endearing either. And yeah, the, the, I mean, there was elements of it where both of them were. I mean, you know, it, it, this sort of early device of losing the passport just set the tone for me. It was like, you know, the the the, the central male bumbling figure. And it's funny because in the interview they sort of mentioned. I think Josh mentioned, and maybe both of them do that sense of oh, you know, they said something along the lines of. This is a kind of character who isn't who isn't presented to us very much, and I kind of have to disagree with that. I think that the bumbling male figure, God, it's the central it's the central pivot of so many sitcoms, you know. And 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 if anything, it's it's you know the idea of crisis and masculinity related related to overbearing, you know, dominant male figures is one thing, but the the idea of the the, the useless male is part of that that whole narrative of crisis in mas in masculinity. Um, and then there was this sort of recurring pattern that I kept seeing in their relationship, you know, where they do a thing, they go to an event, or or she or she does a, does a thing particularly, and he's enthusiastic, and she, and she says, "Oh, isn't this brilliant?" They go to a concert, and isn't it brilliant? Or she does her thing, and he says, "Isn't that weren't you brilliant?" And all this, and she doesn't believe him about herself because she's insecure, you know? And then, or critiques that event. So, oh yeah, isn't this all just, we're walking around tourists, but isn't this just for wankery tourists like us? Do you know what I mean? It's all commercialized and stuff. And he gets defensive and and takes it personally. And, you know, I, I think what that was interesting to me because I think it tells you something about the purity that we're all after in the shared experience in our relationships. You know, we all want our partner to really dig the thing that we dig. And when we don't, it causes no end of problems. So I think that that, that was an interesting insight. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just really struggled with this, the sort of negotiation in terms of what I was seeing here. And I didn't, I, I wasn't enjoying seeing their patterns of behavior and their dynamic. I found quite, I felt quite uncomfortable at times, I have to say. Cool. Well, I think that the discomfort is intended. You know, I think it's, I, I think that's entirely yeah. on purpose. Um, so, yeah, and I think that I, I don't necessarily disagree with anything that you've said there. I think, yeah, there's just, and I'm trying to think about why I, why I had a different response, you know, because I think that all of those things are absolutely in the film, but my relationship to them is, is kind of different and I think maybe that is a combination of things I think it's yeah like where I am in my life in terms of the things I've been thinking about in terms of my own relationships I think there's a very kind of direct correlation in terms of 
the character of Josh and, and how I feel about myself um, that felt very raw and resonant. Um, there is the familiarity with the previous work and that mode of, yeah, kind of meta-documentary aesthetic in service of a kind of narrative that, that, that comes into being through, yeah, kind of exploratory videoing, you know, so that idea that you sort of said about like what should you take as reality and, and their kind of ambivalence to that, I think that's, which I didn't really get until the interview was that's that's a product of how they live, you know. They make, their, they live in front of the camera in a lot of the ways and then they don't know there is a performativity in there and they're using the perform yeah. the performance to get to something else in their own relationship as well and then, in, on two occasions it's become a film you know uh with the new mm. man and then with husband which i think is you know fascinating to see these as kind of offshoots of a kind of ongoing creative project within their relationship mm. but uh, yeah i don't think they would necessarily know what where where they're being genuine and where they're not which is the kind of my initial response to the film which is very different to female human animal this is very much about the two of them um mm. and less kind of narrative in terms of like general plot points as opposed to that but but that i think i i quite early asked asked my you know sort of said to myself this can't be real like this can't be he can't really be this yeah 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 useless you know and it they can't really be they can't really be like this so i think something in me was like good faith mm. and see it as absurdism you know but I think a lot of that is the context that I am bringing to it from knowing Josh's work, particularly previously, you know. So I I think on a different day, without that question, I think, yeah, I think I easily could have been like, this is mm. this is ridiculous. And I think that's in the film. I don't think that's I don't think that's me saying, oh no, it's not like that. I think that's what's that's that's absolutely there. Um which is kind of the the what I think is interesting about the idea of the bumbling, useless male is, is kind of twofold. One is, it is a trope, but it's very rarely a trope in what we think is a documentary where we're, you know, the idea is that we're supposed to be seeing some, you know, the idea of a documentary mm -hmm. is that there's something interesting about this person that is worth committing to film in a way that, you know, like it, there's a lovable, endearing quality in a sitcom, or but, but here it's like presented as a documentary and this person is absolutely self-involved and self-absorbed mm. so i think it's the aesthetics of it and the the form of it which kind of jars against that um and that uselessness i think is interesting in terms of what you were saying about um you said about like yeah the, the, being the star of our own lives and i think it's it, i think this is where it's a quite a sharp kind of critique of contemporary media where this is much closer to the reality of what what people put on video now and share with the world in terms of, you know, mm. we've, we've all started to believe that we're the star of our own lives as a, as a society. So we share all this stuff all the time, but the reality mm. is that it's of no interest and we are dysfunctional people and we're kind of creating this narrative of, of importance that kind of distracts from, distracts from real life you know and what i like about the film is how 
the things that Devorah talks about in terms of her work that comes through in terms of the readings and what the book is about and the stuff at Yale and then the, is is like that there's there's all these distancing things there's the film there's the books that's distancing the characters in it and us yeah, as an yeah, audience yeah. from yeah. what really matters which is our feelings and our relationships and and how how do we navigate that now and the fact that these are two people who have found themselves and or found each other and survive is kind of miraculous considering like you say how how challenging that relationship is but i do think that the milieu that josh defends in the interview you know is is a is a sticky one right now you know and i think it's absolutely valid i think that they probably know that in terms of the the audience for the film but it is sticky to to ask like why 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 are the concerns of of people in this area you know kind of what where we should be spending time i think that's that's a very you know that's a that's a big question and like I say, I have a very personal connection to the feelings that they're going through in their marriage and what Josh is going through in terms of asking those big questions about his own role as a husband and stuff that kind of bypasses that. But I think that depending on where you are in your life and mm. th- 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 that, that, that conduit might not be there, you know, and it is just, you know, and I, and I think that you could argue that it, maybe it doesn't do enough in terms of critiquing or skewering that persona you know um in terms of in terms of like the yeah the bumbling white male figure at the center of you know what essentially is a privileged world you know um but i also think that given the nature of the film making that extends across years and is part of it's 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 yeah whether that would feel disingenuous to then put that stuff in i don't know but i think it's right to say that it causes a friction mm. i mean I, th- I think your the stuff about performativity is really is really interesting, and I think this is why your interview to me as a companion piece to the film is really fascinating because there were moments when I felt that they, well, it depends how much you think the film is how much of it you think is real or not how much the dynamic of their relationship is real as to whether um, they start playing at playing those roles in the interview with you. Like, for example, mm. at one point, it was very clear because she, Devora, kind of slags him off about when they went to the theater and he laughed in the wrong places. And and and, and she went, yeah. well, you, we went to that thing once and you were laughing in the, all the wrong places. You know, it was really embarrassing like that. And he went, <laughs> yeah, sorry. And it was just exactly the same as in the film, right? So th- that, that's, that speaks to me, again, putting my pseudo psychoanalytic which i don't have head hat on it's a microcosm of the film and it's also kind of revealing and you know that's why i'm saying i'm not sure i you know i certainly wouldn't be comfortable doing this because there's a there's a you could point to the idea that actually the film and the whole process is a is a is a kind of veil over Mm the reality of their dynamics. Do you know what I mean? It's like, look, again, you know, what do we all do to to manage our relationships? We all mediate them in some ways, you know? You could argue, again, it's not for me to comment, of course, because I don't have any children, but we, we make decisions in our lives, you know what I mean? Because, A, maybe there's social pressures, but like having a kid or or getting a dog or buying a house together, all of these things might be 
anchoring points to say, oh, we're together now. And like making these films together, maybe like you say, a kind of way of making sense of what their, how their relationship functions or dysfunctions as it, as it, as it might be. But then I would be really interested to see what the offcuts of this film are what didn't make it and how they edited it together. Cause it was really interesting in the interview that, that she um, in the interview, Devorah talks about herself as the antagonist, which I think is really interesting. And because I don't think that, it, that it's cut that way. I, I, I think that their, their dynamic is that he is the antagonist in the sense of he's fucking up this really um, accomplished woman's life and career. And it's like to the point of hell, love. Why the hell are you with yeah. him if he's doing your head in that much? For Christ's sake, <laughs> you're going to spend the next forty years doing that. Now, again, I, I, like I wouldn't say that to any anybody directly about their marriage, would I? It's rude to say that, but they've just made a film about it, so I'm sorry, but that's what yep. that's what it yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah, it yeah, came yeah. across yeah. as to me. So you know, th this is where yeah, yeah. like this is what I'm. I've, what I'm talking about when I say I didn't enjoy watching it because I'm, I felt like, and like, it would be interesting to see, to, you know, to hear if, if, if Josh thinks that that is, it's again, pushing the, the, the question of how close are we here? Cause if we're really close to reality, then, you know, I don't want, I, it's not for me to say, you know what I mean? It's like, there seems to be a lot of problems there, yeah, yeah. you know, to put it mildly. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? But again, if she, yeah, if, yeah. if, no, no, sorry, I think just I, very quickly, yeah. just say, I think if Devorah is, is in the edit and making those decisions, maybe she is like complicit or, you know, in a good way of saying, you know, let's make, let's put in these bits where we're really arguing. Cause that's the, that's the kind of juicy bits. And that's fine. If it's like, because, because there was not a lot mm. in that movie where there weren't many parts of that movie where I could see why they love each other. Let's put it that way. Hmm interesting yeah no i think that's yeah i think that that point she makes in the interview about she's there in the edit she's making the story choice i think is a, is, is 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 true um and i think those questions are absolutely valid i guess i was just i just kind of turned it back on myself because that's where i am right now rather than you know because i'm in a kind of very self-reflective mode at the moment yeah um but aren't we all neil we're, we're all doing it all the time everybody that's the thing it's kind of like yeah. everything that they're doing they're walking around and saying what like things like how do we get to enjoy all of these things in our privileged life and then make a film about it aren't we wankers for liberal wankers with with a camera doing doing all of this we all think that like we're doing this podcast sometimes i think who wants to listen to us to you know white guy middle-aged white guys wanking on about about yeah, yeah, yeah. film you know it's so maybe that's part of the discomfort as well because there is a sort of lens of yeah who the no, hell no, are for you sure. you know yeah yeah i can absolutely <laughs> yeah i can absolutely empathize with that i think the thing that really struck me and that Devorah said was when she said, like, it seems like my marriage needs this, you know, and that so that idea of like, this is this is, you know, this is essentially a, a way that they communicate, work through process a lot of that relationship stuff. You know, that's that this is the mode for doing it. And I'm sure we are not privy to, you know, which is why I think, you know, Again, I watched The New Man after this and it's the earlier film, but it's it's a film with, with tragedy in it. So that you know, that they they had a, a number of IVF treatments and then they 
got pregnant and they were you know Devora was carrying twins and one of the twins died uh, in utero very close to the end of the pregnancy and what's interesting about that film is that is is obviously like the decision to just to stay with that stuff you know and i think that's where the discomfort in husband is also is that's a real decision to say yeah i'm we're going we are going to show you a particular side of it and it's going to be an uncomfortable side and it's going to be a side where you're really questioning you know but it's almost mm. in the body of work and the fact that they're out promoting the film together you know that that's you know there's that kind of existence of the real relationship outside but also a kind of like a bearing of aspects of it which i think is is really fascinating and yeah kind of uncomfortable you know um it's interesting you say that about the interview because obviously it reminds me of I remember seeing a cock and bull story, you know, the Michael Winterbottom, where where sure. Steve Coogan and Alan Partridge, um, Steve Coogan, <laughs> sorry, and Rob Brydon play <laughs> yeah. versions of themselves yeah. in the film. Yeah. And then I saw a press screening at the London Film Festival with them where they played the versions of themselves in the film in the Q&A, that then that led to the trip, you know, so the trip mm. thing all came out of that where, but it was so interesting to be in the room with those two real people talking about real versions of themselves, but playing the version of self that's on the screen. So obviously right. playing up the banter, yep. the camaraderie, but it, but it, it was like, a, you know, like how do I feel about the fact I'm getting a free comedy show, but what am I, what, what, what am I learning? What am I missing? Yeah, it create, yeah, it does yeah. create a veil. It does, you know, so I think I do think that, yeah, kind of seeing this interview almost as like a counterpart to the film is, is, is fascinating you know as opposed to being something where we're kind of getting to the truth of it we're just further messing it up and complicating it and you know working through the stuff so yeah that's a really interesting way of framing it um mm. maybe if it gets a blu-ray release this should be on the um special features well there you go there's, there's, there's nothing like a self-promotion uh, <laughs> to end the <a> podcast <laughs> well because i'm a shameless yeah. i'm a shameless white liberal yeah. with a podcast yeah, yeah. You know? well you've got to do it hey man <laughs> you know you're not even on social media so it's kind of like you know I'm, I'm i'm you know bashing out our ads all the time um yeah you so, are. so um, i've got to do my part um I, indeed indeed so yeah i mean again like i say i enjoyed the i enjoyed the interview and it made me think a lot more about the mechanics of, of filmmaking and and you know the idea of of where the self lies and you know you could take all of this to to its kind of endpoint you know there is no self we could all get <laughs> we all, call, all we could all get Matthew McConaughey on this and we're like you know we don't really exist you know and all this kind of thing um, but but yeah and and you know Josh Devore if you're listening you know he's like I say he's followed me on Twitter please unfollow me if um, if that's all annoyed you what I've said there but um, yeah, an interesting an an interesting reaction, which I think has provoked interesting conversation, which is always good for the podcast. Clearly, yeah, and I would hope that would be something that they are, you know, engaged with. You know, I don't. Yeah, I think they're they're pretty savvy about what what the audience for the film is, um, and what's nice is being able to talk through the challenges of a film or the issues of a yeah. film without it being reduced to like I didn't like this, it's good or bad. You know, that's one of the one of the yeah, one of the great things about doing this yeah, podcast is like I'm not trying to persuade you, and I'm I'm, I'm, re, I'm interested in in your response to it, which I think is completely valid, and you know, um, and hopefully shows people that you know there are there are other ways of enjoying work than sure you know than that. So 
yeah, no, and 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 to be honest, I, I, I do want to read uh, Devorah's book because my favorite part was listening to her and Zadie Smith's conversation. Really, you know, I was kind of ready for that, but that, I suppose that's the uh, that's the academic in me kind of coming out. Great. Well, yeah. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for sharing. You know, your honest, complicated feelings about it. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, great to great to chat to you about it. Um, and it certainly made me kind of question. No I think it's maybe question where some of my kind of personal emotional biases are with the film, as opposed to other things. So I really appreciate that. Um, but I think it's well worth seeing. Um, and yeah, a kind of you know an interesting piece of work as and an interesting companion piece to the new man as well. So. Thank you to yeah, thank you to Madeline from uh, I think it's um, Dartmouth Films for for setting up the interview and sharing the the screener and thanks to Josh and Devora for their time. Thank you Dario as always. Thank you and thank you to the listeners um, as always for for, for supporting us uh, both here by listening and sharing on social media and our Patreon subscribers. We'll be back uh, very soon with another episode. They're coming quite thick and fast at the moment. But for now, thank you, Dario. Thanks very much. Uh, yep, uh, another episode will be in the offing very soon. I'm just preparing for Berlin. So, yeah, content is king. Mm, can't wait for your Berlin travelogues. Uh, but until then, this has been the Cinematologist podcast. Thanks for listening.